You're listening to a podcast from Victory Alabang. Our love for Christ is evident in showing compassion to the poor. Discover more about this truth in this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. We are now going through our series entitled Enact or Enact. Everybody say Enact. Hindi ito yung inarte, no? This is basically uh, short for E-N in action. And so, we're going through six weeks of uh, introducing to you what church is like. And, uh, you know, looking at the design of God for the first or the New Testament church found in the book of Acts. So, we're basically taking the book of Acts as our text. And then, uh, we're also going to look at uh, God's specific uh, and special calling for us. Uh, as a church and as a movement, and what our participation is all about. Now, how many of you are thankful to the Lord for this church? Can you please raise your hand? All right. How many of you know that you are the church? Right? Church is a people. It's not a place, right? You don't go to church. The church goes to Festival Mall. Hey, look at the person beside you and tell the person, you are the church. We are the church, right? Tell the person beside you on the left, I need you. Turn to the person on your right, you need me. And then tell the person, the person in your back, we are a happy family. Yeah, all right. So basically, this is the picture of church. Church is not a place, it's not a building. This is not the altar here, but we are the church, the people, the body. It's a living organism. It is not just a building. And so we're looking at the uh, design of God for the New Testament church. And how many of you are so glad that Jesus is the founder of this church and not man? Amen. Amen. God said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so just to give us a broad stroke of where we're going for the next four weeks, uh, basically at the end of this series, our people will grasp God's purpose and commission to the church. Now, when you talk about church, victory is just a part of the church. Are we here this afternoon? We're not the perfect church. How many of you know that there's no perfect church? Right? This is not a perfect church, right? You know why? Because you're here. No, 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 just kidding, okay? There's no such thing as a perfect church. No such thing as a perfect, you know, individual, perfect pastor, perfect uh, membership. But we're part of the body. We're part of the universal church, so to speak. And God has a purpose. He's got a commission to the church. And that is very familiar for all of us, right? In Matthew 28, what did Jesus say after he resurrected from the dead? He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. Tell the person beside you, obey. Obey everything I have commanded you, and I will be with you. In fact, in another translation, he said, and surely, I like that word, surely, okay? And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. This is what Jesus told the church before he left you know, and, uh, and went to heaven. Basically, the commission is for everyone. Not just victory. I know that when you talk about victory, we're familiar with the vision of victory, right? Honor God and make disciples. But discipleship is not exclusive to us. Discipleship, the call to make disciples, is not just given to victory as a church. It's given to the church in general. I make disciples not because I am a pastor, but because I am a Christian. 
God called each and every one of us to make disciples. So the question is, are we disciples of Christ? Yan. Look at the person beside you. Ngitian mo lang siya ng malaget, okay? Sabihin mo sa kanya, kasama ka doon, right? We're all disciples and we're called to make disciples. And so, the next uh, part is, and hopefully we can all be inspired that everyone, every believer, or every member of this church can actively participate in the Every Nation mission. I want to God is doing something in the Middle East. Amen. There is a revival that's happening there right now. And how many of you know that 13 people that are baptized, that's a revival? And we cannot compare that to the Philippines because here, the moment you say boo, people get born again, right? You know, here you just say something, people get born again. But there, it's a restricted nation. It's a Muslim nation. So it takes a lot of you know, prayer and, and, and blood, sweat, tears to convert or to basically share the gospel and for people to turn away from Muslim belief or Muslim faith and turn themselves into Christianity. And when you talk about 13 people getting baptized and 27 people being part of the church, that is a mega church already in the terms of church statistics. I realize that many times when you talk about church, we're so, I guess, familiar we're going up the fourth floor of Festival Mall, and so we enjoy this you know, nice facility. We enjoy our favorite chair. How many of you enjoy your favorite chair? You're always seated there, Sunday in, Sunday out, right? Even if the ushers would tell you, you know, go to the other side, you would still insist, you know, this is where I'm supposed to be. Rogelio, 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 okay? <laughs> Don't talk to me like that, okay? Something like that, okay? So you would insist that you are called to be here, okay, in this particular place. And so, you know, God really has a design for the church, and He's got a purpose for the church. And I believe that if you are a builder, how many of you are uh, maybe an architect here? Is there anyone who's a builder, an architect? Okay, great, okay? If you are an architect or if you're building your home, how many of you know that blueprints are very important? You've got to have plans. You've got to follow strictly the plans. If not, if you make a mistake, mistakes can be costly, right? You know, you don't want to start building something without drawing up specific plans because if not, this could happen to you. If you're building a bridge, you would actually miss it by, I don't know how many meters, and then you realize, oh no, I made a mistake, okay? Or maybe if you're building a home, you realize that the way to Create a door is not on top of a, an aircon vent, okay? Or maybe if you want to have a stairs outside your condo house, you don't build it like this, right? You gotta follow the pattern or the design, okay? Now, of course, if you're building up maybe a toilet, you don't build it like this, okay? Men don't be too close to each other, okay? We know this. Women are different from us. Women, when they go to the bathroom, right, they go inside, ho- in, inside in hordes, okay? Uy, mare, tara banyo tayo, ba? But I haven't seen men, you know, pare, banyo naman tayo, sumama naman ako doon, pare, ba? I haven't seen men like that, much more like this, okay? Stay as far as we can from any guy when we're doing our own thing, okay? So, the same is true with design. When you talk about the plan of God for the church, He's got a specific purpose and a design for the church. And we see that in the book of Acts. In fact, there was one particular pastor who boldly said that the local church 
is the hope of the world. That's Pastor Bill Hybels. And when Jesus went up to heaven, and we remember the past seminar, uh, seminar, the past uh, re- the retreat, I came from a retreat, the past uh, series that we've just finished, past perfect. Remember that? Yeah, but it's you know we talked about the different pictures in the Old Testament pointing to the redemptive plan of God made perfect in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Remember that? That because of Christ's work on the cross, you and I are going to heaven. How many of you are going to heaven? Amen, right? We have eternal life. How many of you, your sins are forgiven? Praise God. How many of you know that now that your sins are forgiven, God still has a plan for you here on earth? Right? And that's exactly where we pick it up. God has a plan for all of us. And collectively, last week we talked about that we as a church were gathered together and were formed as a unit, as a body. We're forgiven. We're not perfect. We're forgiven. We're called out from darkness into His light. And we're placed in a community of believers. And so God wants to use us to impact the society and the community that we are in. In fact, Jesus, when He was about to leave earth, when He was about to go to heaven, He said, but wait, there's more. Before you go and make disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit. And He said in Acts 1.8, you know, you will receive power. Everybody say power. How many of you would like to know that power, would like to have that power? That power is not like the power of Incredible Hulk. It's not that the power of Marvel superheroes. It's the power that comes from the Holy Spirit, right? And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Kaya we're all witnesses, right? How many of you are witnesses? Kaya sama-sama tayo magiging saksi, right? We are all witnesses. In Tagalog, it's called saksi. A witness is someone who has heard, someone who has seen, someone who has experienced the goodness of God in his life. Now, how many of you can actually say that God is good to you? Amen. Yes, come on, give the Lord praise for that. You know, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, how many of you have tasted of the goodness of God? I think you and I will actually say, yes, God is good. No matter what I'm going through right now, I can still honestly say that God is good. And so that particular scripture that says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Really, when you talk about the gospel, the gospel is always going outward, not inward. You know, that's why I believe as a church, we need to stop looking inwardly to our own little world and do a lot of complaining and a lot of comparing and say, Lord, woe is me. Wawa naman ako. Kailan darating si Yaya? You know, you know, you know we, sometimes we actually you know, have a lot of things, but in reality, you and I are blessed. You and I can actually give something outside, and you and I can actually give and share the message of God to the outside world. You know, we are called to preach the gospel from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Let's open up our Bibles today to Acts chapter 4. I'd like to invite everyone to stand. We will be reading from the book of Acts. So basically this 
particular series will be on Acts. I think last week we talked about Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And so now we're moving forward. If you have a Bible, please open it to the book of Acts. Or if you have an iPhone, an iPad, Samsung, or whatever digital device, you can also take a look at that. That's also valid. Okay, Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 35. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart. Everybody say, one heart. And soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power. Everybody say, great power. Let's read it out loud, the whole uh, verse 33. One, two, three. The apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Let's continue. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for, Lord, just the picture of the New Testament church found in the book of Acts and how it is today as well. We thank you, Lord, that you have placed us in this body, in this uh, community of believers, Lord God. And as a community, I thank you that we have a calling to be a blessing to the world out there. Indeed, when you came here, Lord God, you want the kingdom to come and your will be done to be expressed here on earth as it is in heaven. And I thank you that that expression is the church. That is us as believers, that as a body, we can actually share the good news of Jesus Christ, the people that we love. And we thank you, Lord God, that it is not only through words, but also through deeds that we will become a blessing. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. You may all be seated. How many of you know that Christianity is more than words? You know, people need to feel us. People need to see real Christianity. And this is exactly our topic for today. We're talking about compassion. Everybody say compassion. Compassion, you know, that is basically the heart of God as an expression of His love for a lost and dying world. You know, the church started in a heartless, brutal, Greco-Roman culture at that time. It was, you know, when, when they started, there was a lot of persecution happening, you know, in the Roman Empire. And, uh... When they started, it was not normal for them to see kindness and compassion be shown because the Romans were actually a kind of like a brutal society. And they treated Christians harshly. You know, how many of you have actually seen MMA in action? Okay, like in the octagon, okay, or in a in a in a match. You know, in those days they don't have MMA. There's no octagon. There are coliseums. And they just throw the Christians inside the Colosseum and they feed them to the lions. And that's their form of entertainment. Can you imagine how brutal it was? But yet the church, when the church was established with a merely small group of people, and when the Holy Spirit descended on them, they spoke in different language and basically they were empowered. The Apostle Peter you know, started preaching the gospel and about 3,000 people were saved in that particular day. And here we see the beginnings of a community and they started sharing with one another and that's exactly what we have read 
earlier. Now, that was the first century, the New Testament church, you know, uh, in action. And, you know, we are actually using this series also as a way of us knowing our, our family, our spiritual family, our, our church community here. Now, how many of you have actually uh, joined us in this church uh, for less than one year? You, you actually came here less than a year. Okay, less than a year. Please raise your hand. Less than a year. All right. Can we just give them a hand? You know, just to welcome them. Thank you for coming. I know that some of you have, you know, are, are just new here and uh, you're discovering who we are. And, you know, we're taking this time as well to basically say that, you know, we are Victory. We're a church, but also outside, we belong to a movement called Every Nation. Everybody say Every Nation. About 31 years ago, our pastor that started this church, his name is Steve Merle. He was the founding pastor together with about 60 plus American students and missionaries that came to the Philippines uh, from the U.S. and started what is now called Victory. Okay, Pastor Steve uh, intended to just stay here for one month. But that was the longest month that he stayed in a single place because until now, that month is still going on. Okay, He never left. Basically, Pastor Steve lives in two places. He lives here in Manila, and he also has now uh, established himself in Nashville where he serves as the president of our movement called Every Nation. Can you imagine his title? Steve Merle, President of Every Nation. So if I introduce him to President Pinoy, President Pinoy is the president of the Philippines. Steve Merle is the president of every nation. <laughs> anyway, so and that particular name is actually very prophetic. Because our heart is to make disciples and to reach every generation in every nation. Our heart is to see the gospel. Uh, preached in every nation of the world. And so, if you look at our statement, every nation exists to honor God. Kind of similar, right? Victory exists to do what? Two things, honor God and make disciples. Now, every nation is just expanded a bit so that we'll understand what's our specific call. And so, by establishing Christ-centered, everybody say Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches, and campus ministries in every nation. How many of you are confused already? Just looking at this, okay? These are kind of like a big, big words, but I want, I'm going to break it down very quickly. Our church, Victory, who's a member of every nation, we're called to do two things. We're called, of course, to make disciples. Part of making disciples is we're called to plant churches and do campus ministry. Two things. What are we called to do? Church planting, number one, and campus ministry. That's the reason why 31 years ago, they came to the university belt. It was known as the minister's graveyard by some of the pastors of the city back then. And they're asking Pastor Steve, why do you want to go to U-Belt? There's no church that survives in U-Belt. Because the students are poor, and the students are transient, and they live off allowances from their mothers, and from, uh, from their parents, from the provinces. But guess what? The call of campus ministry was very strong in the hearts of our leaders. That's why even until today, we are still reaching the future leaders in the campuses. Amen. And so that's our call. It's a special call. How many of you are young people here? Can you please raise your hand? Feeling young, young ones? Still young? Feeling young? Hope you're young. Okay. Campus ministry is always going to be a part of us. 
Whether you're almost 50 or just 25, it will be a part of our church. Church planting is also a part of us. You know, had Pastor Steve not started that 31 years ago, we will not be here. We believe in church planting. As a church, we planted at least two churches already. Uh, from Alabang, we planted Santa Rosa, and we planted uh, Muntinlupa. Okay? And we will continue to plant more churches in Metro Manila. How many of you are in faith that one day we will be able to plant a church in Las Piñas? Alright? Or maybe in Sukat Paranaque. How many of you are from Sukat? Alright, good. How many of you are from Las Piñas? Oy, dami. Alright. And so, that's the heart. Okay? So basically, this is just the statement briefly. What we want to focus today is those two words. Everybody say, socially responsible. What does social responsibility mean? Does it mean maging social ka? No. It means being responsible socially. Ah, okay ba yan? Very deep, okay? Basically, the question that we want to ask ourselves is this. If we disappear from the city, will the city miss us? Or will the city rejoice and be glad that victory is no longer here? Ay, salamat, wala na mga yon. You know, hey, in other words, social responsibility is being able to impact and affect and be a blessing to the community that we are in. That's social responsibility. In a very practical way, it means reaching out to the people who are in need, those who are uh, needy, those who are poor, those who are less fortunate. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31, it says, He who is kind to the poor honors God. Part of our vision is to honor God, and one of the ways to honor God is being kind to the poor. You know, a while ago, the scripture that was said to us as you we were taking up the offering is, He who is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. There's only one particular situation wherein God becomes a debtor to us. Is that particular scripture? How many of you know that God is not a debtor to anyone? He owns everything, right? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He owns everything, the cattle and the thousand hills. But there's only one instance in the Bible that says if we are generous to the poor, we are lending to the Lord. It's as if God owes us something. And how many of you know that if God owes anything, He is sure to pay it back to us? Amen. And that, come on, give the Lord praise. And that is His heart for the poor. If we're generous, in NIV it says, if we are kind to the poor, we lend to the Lord. And I believe that He's going to pay back big time for us, those who are kind. So many people around the world are doing social responsibility causes. They have different advocacies. You know, some are Christians, some are NGOs. There are even celebrities that are actually going out of their way to actually have advocacies and be social responsible. Okay? One particular celebrity is this uh, lady named Angelina Magdangal, right? <laughs> uh, married to Brad Pitt. And so uh, she... Uh, is, I think, a representative of UN, okay, Angelina, Angelina Jolie, okay, uh, is a representative of UN, 
And part of her advocacy is really caring for the poor uh, children that are actually left behind and the orphans. And so as an act of kindness, what they did was they adopted several and she's, you know, you know, she's adopted and has taken on some orphans as part of her family. Okay, another maybe celebrity is uh, uh, LeBron James. You know LeBron James to be a basketball player that was sadly defeated okay, in the previous uh, championship. I think he came here a couple of weeks ago. And you know, part of what he wanted is to be able to teach uh, young boys uh, basketball and to basically present to them hope. You know? And even athletes or celebrities are already thinking about how can they give back to society that has actually given to them. Of course, we have our very own Manny Pacquiao, who is really an advocate of, uh, you know, of the poor. And so his heart is not just to do boxing. His heart, even in the area of politics, is to be a blessing. Of course, now we know that he is a Christian, and he wanted to be a blessing to people around him. Now, when you talk about socially responsible... Okay, it is an entity, be it an organization or individual. You know, basically, we have an obligation to act for the benefit of society at large. Now, I mean, if you know that God has planned for us to do good things to the people around us. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Turn to the person beside you and tell the person, do good. Okay, we're designed to do that. Okay? We're not doing good so that we can be saved. We're not doing good so that we can actually earn poggy points in heaven. We know that, right? We are only saved by grace. Through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. But yet the verse after that says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works, that however you know, the, you know, when we get saved, there is a purpose for us to do good things and to bless society at large and for our life to be an essence or a fragrance to wherever you are, whether you're in your neighborhood, in your office, in your school. The question is, are we a blessing? Blessing ba tayo? Or many times do we complain more than being a blessing? Okay. Are we more of a burden or a blessing? God already have put this in our hearts. He built this in us to be a blessing. Now, why the poor? Why do we need to focus on the poor? Because one, there's 300 plus verses that talks about the poor in the Bible. How God's heart is towards the poor. How God's heart is towards the widow, the orphans, those that are abandoned, those who are weak. You know, he's talking about that. God has a special place in his heart to care for the poor. Proverbs 14, it says, He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. Because God was the one who made them, we also need to show kindness to them. But whoever is kind to the needy, what? Honors the Lord. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9 says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. In other words, you know, I mean, if you're familiar with the story of Ruth in the Bible, Ruth lost her husband, who was the son of Naomi. They went back to Israel. And then Naomi one time told Ruth, I want you to go to the field of Boaz 
and I want you to glean. Remember that? When the harvesters were picking up the grapes and the harvest, what they would do is they would deliberately and intentionally leave some things behind so that the poor, the orphans, and the widows, and those who are aliens can actually have something and pick up something. And what happened was, Ruth had, I think, a bag, and it was filled with gleanings from the field. Of course, Filipinos would interpret it differently. You know, when you're invited in a house, you'd actually bring a take-home bag with you and have gleanings from the buffet, okay, whatever, okay? But take-home naman, pare. So, it's a different application there. But yet, we see that even in this particular law, God is already concerned about the plight of the poor. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. In other words, if you're eating chicken, don't eat the bones that the dogs will have nothing to eat anymore. Tira ka naman ng konti sa dogs, okay? If you're eating a fried tilapia, at least leave the, 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 the bones, yung tinek, okay? Because, you know, at least may makain yung pusa ng konti, okay? What he's saying is, you shall not strip. Don't take everything. Leave something behind. And you shall gather the fallen grace of your vineyard. And when you do this, what will happen? You shall leave them for the poor and for the uh, sojourner or the, the, the transient or the alien. I am the Lord your God. Carlton Hayes, American educator, said, from the wellspring of Christian compassion, our Western civilization has drawn its inspiration and its sense of duty for feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, looking after the homeless, clothing the naked, tending the sick, and visiting the prisoners. You know, as Christians, we can either fall in one or two ditches. One ditch is Christians are so heavenly minded, always talking about the Lord. Always saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And not being earthly good. They're too religious, but they don't impact society as a whole. The other extreme side is that we just do a lot of social responsibility act and not preach the gospel. And how many of you know we need to preach the gospel? Because even if you feed the hungry, if they don't hear the word, they're going to die and still go to hell. What does it profit for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Ultimately, we need to do both. As a church, as believers, we need to, number one, of course, preach the gospel. At the same time, we need to be socially responsible. You know, the current poverty statistics in the Philippines says about 75% of the population is poor. And 50% of the population is young, under the age of 25. Now, how many of you are still young? Please raise your hand. Under 25. Can we take that quick survey here? Is that 50%? by faith, okay? Therefore, we need to reach the poor and the young. God calls us because it is majority. God specifically called us to reach the majority of our population. You know, victory is not just the church for the elite and the stars. Tell the person beside you, you look like a star, okay? Because sometimes, how many of you have heard of that statement, ang victory pang mayaman lang yan eh? Ang victory pang mga artista, you know. But in reality, we're reaching out everybody. We're not exclusive as a church. We welcome everybody to come into our doors, whether you're rich, you're poor, popular, or unpopular, famous, or infamous. We are welcoming you to our doors because this church is not about man, it's about Jesus. And we want to reach out, particularly to those 
who are young and those who are uh, less fortunate. Tim Keller wrote, From ancient times, the God of the Bible stood out from the gods of all other religions as a God on the side of the powerless and of justice for the poor. Now, what does it mean for a church to be socially responsible? Just very quickly. I have three quick points. Number one is, we have shared purpose. In verse 32, we've read this. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. It's interesting to note that these original apostles were all coming from different backgrounds, but yet they came together with one common purpose, and that is to advance the kingdom of God. And I believe that though you and I come from different backgrounds, different maybe vocations, different educational backgrounds, how many of you know that we're here for one agenda and one agenda alone? Amen. And that is to honor God and to obey His call to go out there to be a blessing and make disciples of the nations. Amen. So Deuteronomy chapter 15 says, If you shall give to Him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to Him. Okay, God watches our hearts. When we give, not only our wallets and our hands. He watches your face, if there's a smile on your face. Or if you would say, Eto na naman. Opering na naman. He knows the heart. And the Bible says, God loves a cheerful giver. And so when we give, we are not to be begrudging when we give. Because of this, the Lord your God will, what? Bless you in all your work and in all your and all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. You know, one particular story, as I joined the ministry about 28 years ago, back in 1991, when I became part of the staff, I was not yet a pastor at that time, my first job was an accountant. I was a finance manager of uh, Victory. And back in that time, back in the day, we only had two churches in Manila. We only had Victory U-Belt and we had Victory Makati. There's no Alabang, there's no Quezon City, there's no Ortigas, no Victory Fort, only Makati and U-Belt. Okay? And at that time, our church is not really well off financially. I think we, we had about maybe three or four provincial churches. That's about it. That's who we are. We had big faith. We know we have a big God, but we have very little resource. And I would remember from time to time when Pastor Steve would actually ask the staff to stand up during Christmas and would ask a special offering so that the staff will actually have food for that particular Christmas. I mean, that's how we were back in the day. We were never like this when we started. Now, I I guess you see that you know, we are in the mall, we have nice facility here, we have nice... How many of you appreciate the three screens, okay? Instead of one overhead projector, you know. And, and somehow God blessed our ministry. But one thing I remember is that when a prophet came, we were having one uh, pastor's retreat in somewhere in Kaliraya. When this prophet spoke, he said, you know, thus saith the Lord, take care of the poor. If you take care of the poor... I will take care of your ministry. And from then on, what we did was we set aside a percentage of our income, of our tithes and offerings, in order to specifically give to poor and needy. 
And we don't touch that. And this is just to be able to help out the poor and needy. And what we discovered and what we found out and experienced is the moment we do that, you know, our offerings in the church went from point A to point B. We were never in lack again. When we took care of the poor, God took care of our ministry. And I believe as a personal, you know, as a, as a person and as a, as a family, if you take care of the poor, God will take care of your house. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise for that? I believe that is a promise of God. He who is kind to the poor honors the Lord. We can do something about this. But pastor, you don't understand. Ako nga mahirap din eh. Ako nga kapost eh. Lagi nga akong kula. Nangungutang pa nga ako eh. You know? What do we do? What do you have? What do you have? What's that in your hand? You know, Moses was asked by God, what do you have? I only have a staff. That staff is enough. That staff basically brought them out of Egypt through the Red Sea into almost the Promised Land. Of course, Joshua brought them into the Promised Land. But the staff of Moses, what was in his hand, was used by God. What's in our hands right now? The little boy had two fish, five loaves, or five loaves, two fish. And he gave that in the hands of the Master. And Jesus multiplied that and fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. How many of you know that little, when we put it in the hand of the Lord, it becomes multiplied much, and we become a blessing. Amen. That's why God had the boldness and the confidence to say, test me in this. In Malachi 3, test me in this. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, right? There's only one that he said, one verse, test me in this if I will not throw open the floodgates. If you give, and I believe that when God gives us a promise, He is true to fulfill His promise to us as a people. Amen. You know, and so I believe this is the, the message. As Christians, we are called to demonstrate the love of God by serving the poor. By serving the poor. Tim Keller in Generous Justice said, Israel was charged to create a culture of social justice for the poor and vulnerable because it was the way the nation could reveal God's glory and character to the world. When we pour ourselves out for the poor, that gets the world's notice. Even when the Christians were a small minority in the Roman Empire, their startling charity to the poor evoked great respect from the populace. That's why, you know, as a, as a church movement, we started a foundation called Real Life Foundation. And you're familiar with Real Life. We're sending underprivileged kids and, you know, uh, share education to them. And, uh, you know, these children will not have any chance except the fact that when they uh, met some of our uh, coaches, you know, they're so grateful. And I think we're able to graduate already more than 200 uh, scholars. And right now, as I speak, we still have about 250 scholars that are being uh, sent for education in college. Second point is uh, shared passion. Okay? Shared passion for the gospel. The first one is a shared purpose. Second is shared passion. Everybody say shared passion. And in verse 33, it says, And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. You know, when you talk about poverty, poverty is not just lack of money. Basically, poverty is hopelessness. And poverty is not simply a lack of resource. The answer to this is really hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we are not just an NGO, and not, you know, God bless all the NGO who will actually do and give and donate to the poor. We've responded to calamities. You know, when when Typhoon Haiyan and the Yolanda hit uh, Tacloban, we you know we have a generous church. We responded by giving. We actually asked the people to give, and many people donated goods and financial resource. And, you know, many of us went there and distributed the goods to the people of Tacloban, but we did not stop in just distributing goods. What we did was we preached the gospel and we ministered the hope that people need to hear because only through that will people really get saved. Amen. It's more than us just feeding the poor. Basically, we're using this opportunity as a bridge so that their hearts would be open. How many of you know that it's easier to listen to you if you are not hungry? And it's meeting the felt needs. Once you feed them, then they're saying, okay, now talk to us. So they leave the place with full stomachs and with transformed hearts. Because part of our responsibility is to preach the gospel. Not just to bless them financially or materially, but to give them something spiritually. You know, the children in World War II who lost their parents and became orphans were put in an orphanage. And the, 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 the founders of the orphanage noticed that these young children could not sleep at night. Basically, they were scared that when they wake up in the morning, they wouldn't have food to eat. That's really poverty and hopelessness in the hearts of these young children. So what they did was they put a piece of bread in the hand of every orphan before they sleep so that when they sleep, they would hold that piece of bread which basically symbolizes hope so that when they wake up in the morning, they have this piece of bread in their hand and they would say, I still have hope today because I will live. Guess what? Something better than a piece of bread is what we're offering. We're giving them the bread of life. Amen. We're giving them the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that you and I are called to share the gospel and the bread of life to the people around us. It's not just about education, by the way. D.L. Moody said this, If a man is stealing nuts and bolts from a railway track, and in order to change him, you send him to college, at the end of his education, he will steal the whole railway track. You have just given him a better system to become a bigger thief. Because it's not about education. It's about transformation. Amen. We are not just sending them to school. We're teaching them that the one who gives us wisdom and the real source of intellect is Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Key uh, message is we believe that poverty is a spiritual condition that ultimately can be addressed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my last point is this, shared provision. Everybody say shared provision. First point was shared purpose. It talks about, you know, no matter how different we are, we are here for one purpose, and that's to advance the kingdom of God. Second is shared passion for the gospel. It's not just the job of the full-time people to share the gospel, but I believe every one of us can have our share in sharing our testimony, what God has done. And at the same time, the third is shared provision. What's interesting is in verse 34, when it says, there was not a needy person among them. Now, how many of you have needs tonight? Can you please raise your hand? You have a need. It's okay. Can you imagine if you step into a room and you will not find anyone who is lacking in the resource because God 
has been good and God has been faithful through the church. And what happened was, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, we're not going to take an offering tonight, okay? I don't want you to sell your real estate tonight and put it here in the altar, okay? The point is, it's a principle. It's a principle of caring and sharing and, you know, having a community. This is not communism, by the way. But it's the, it's the principle is, we share what we have to the people who are in need. And I believe that is the picture of a genuine church that genuinely love each other. In fact, John wrote this in his book, 1 John chapter 3. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to do what? Lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods, and how many of you have had some world's goods? How many of you have clothes on your back? Okay. How many of you came from a house? Okay. You know, we have the world's goods. We actually experience the goodness of God. And he sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Let's take a litmus test here. Okay, if you have, how many of you have a ref? Please raise your hand. If you have a ref in your house. Okay, yung iba sa inyo, walang ref. How do you preserve your meat? Through salt. Okay. Inaasinang ko yung isda, pastor. It lasts by one week. How many of you know? How many of you have ref? Okay. It says here in the survey, if you have food in your fridge, clothes on your back, how many of you brought your clothes with you to church? You're not naked. Hopefully not. Okay. Here, we all have clothes, right? Roof over your head. How many of you slept in a house last night? You did not sleep in the streets? Okay? And a place to sleep. You had a bed. You have a mattress at least. You have pillow. Guess what? If you have all these four, you are richer than 75% of the world. Now, how many of you feel rich already? <laughs> Tell the person beside you, you're rich. You are richer than what you think. Okay? Because we say now, una pa talaga tayo mag-complain eh. Ayoko tong trabaho to. Grabe tong buhay tong hirap. But in reality, we're blessed. We're richer than more than 75% of the world. Now, if you have money in the bank, in your wallet, how many of you have a wallet? How many of you have some cash there? How many of you have coins in your wallet? Okay. Even if you have some spare change, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. Oh, wow. I feel good already. Yeah. Top 8% of the world's richest. Can you imagine? You know, Fortune 500 just came out with a list of, you know, uh, the Forbes Top 500. Even in the Philippines. You know, they're talking about, you know, uh, Henry C. still is the richest person in the Philippines for about, I think, $17 billion of net worth. How many of you know that you and I are with Henry C., top 8% of the world's wealthiest? Come on now, tell the person beside you and tell the person, you are rich. We're rich. We just don't realize how rich we are compared to the people outside because most of us compare ourselves with people who has more than us. And what we say is, buti ka pa, ako, yagit. You know, can you imagine? We're richer than a lot of people in the world. How many of you woke up this morning? 
If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the million people who will not survive this week. Come on now. That's a blessing. If you are never, if you never experience the danger of battle, the agony of imprisonment or torture, or the horrible pangs of starvation, you know what, in, in what's happening in Syria right now, there's a lot of refugees going to Europe and they have no homes. How many of you are refugees here? Anybody know a refugee? Guess what? You are more fortunate than 500 people alive and suffering. If you can read this message, how many of you can read? Okay, you are more fortunate than 3 billion people in the world who cannot read at all because you are educated. We ought to be grateful. We ought to be grateful for what God has given to us. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. It's a change of perspective. When you realize that you are on the blessed end, then you have the power to be a blessing to others. You know, can you imagine? You know, I was uh, I heard Pastor Sani said one of I think one of his uh, uh, friends said as they were on their way to the hospital. They said, "I don't want to go to the hospital. Pagod ba kung dumalaw sa hospital?" Sabi ni Pastor Sani, "Gusto mo ikaw dumalaw o gusto mo ikaw dalawin?" <laughs> ah, okay na pala, okay na ako. Thank you, Lord. You know, sometimes it's a change of perspective. Do you want to be on the receiving end or do you want to be the one who has the power to give? We are on that end. We have the power. Ever say, we have power! You know, we have the power to be a blessing. What are we doing with it? I'm going back to my question. What do you have? What do we have? Many of us have treasures. Many of us have time. Many of us have talents that we can actually give and become a blessing to others. That's why going back to this verse, he said, little children in verse 18, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let the people around you feel it. Let them realize, wow, what kind of church is this? It is such a generous church, and you don't even have to advertise yourself. You know, you know. I, there's just so many things to talk about. You know, there's a book that talks about conspiracy of kindness. It's the little things that we do that can actually bless other people. You know, sometimes even if you just leave something in a restaurant, maybe a big tip for the waiter. You know, who knows that that maybe that waiter is about to lose his job, and that tip could actually save him for the ne- next month. To, 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 uh, to be able to bridge the gap between uh, that month, uh, that week, uh, to, the, to the end of the month for his family. We don't know that. But a little act of kindness. Do not just merely love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let's move on. According to ADB, you know, some of the statistics about uh, you know, university, the importance of education, 90% of the population does not have a university degree. 0.6% of the, share, uh, of the share of the total poverty has university degree. In other words, 994 who do not have college are in, in, in poverty. That's why we want to be able to give education to those that need education. And, you know, as, as a church, of course, we cannot send everybody to school, but we will do our share. We will do, you know, to these 250 scholars that we have right now, to them, we will make a difference. And if we can add more, praise God, we will do that. And that's why we have real life. And I'd like to call the music team to join me here on stage. 
you know, right now we have 250 real-life scholars that are in school because of, you know, uh, people uh, who are giving for, for real life. You know, we believe that education is the most effective way to empower individuals to lift themselves out of poverty. One of our pastors, who is uh, the senior past, former senior pastor of our church in uh, Victory, Ortigas, he is now the one heading up Metro Manila. His name is Pastor Ferdy Kabiling, is doing what we call the Run 50. What does that mean? He's turning 50 this week. And he said this, as I turn 50, I'm going to be running throughout the Philippines. And I'm dedicating my run. It's actually a 50 by 50 run. 50 kilometers per day for 50 days. He started yesterday by running in Sarangani in Mindanao. And at the end of the 50th day, he will actually be in Apari at the edge of Luzon. And every day at 3 a.m., he will run and start running except for Sundays. Wherein at that Sunday, at the particular point or that particular city, he would actually preach wherever there is a victory church that is there in that city. It's amazing. He would actually be crossing here in Muntinlupa on October 13th. At th- uh, you know, three o'clock a.m., you know, he had an interview with Diane Castillejo uh, and uh, ABS-CBN, and they featured him as the running pastor. He's got a cause. He's got a an advocacy. Okay, and people have asked him, "Why are you doing this?" And he said three things. I'm doing this number one because I am a Christian citizen, and you know, as believers, we were told by the Apostle Paul to pray for those in authority and pray for our cities and love the cities. And so as I run across the Philippines, I will be praying for local government officials and bless the cities all around the Philippines. Secondly, I'm doing this for the scholars. I want to be able to send 250 scholars and raise money for them. And what he's doing is, he's going to be running a total of 2,180 kilometers in the next 50 days. For every kilometer, he's trying to raise up 1,000 per kilometer. And thirdly, he said, I'm running for those who cannot run. He actually has a son, his name is Philip, who is sick with Sturge Weber. He was born with that syndrome. And that syndrome basically has uh, caused him to be epileptic and caused him not to be able to run. And so he could actually just, you know, sometimes wobble and walk with his dad. And one day he told his dad, Daddy, run, run. And so he ran for his son and carrying his son. And he said, I'm doing this for my son as well. You know, Forrest Gump runs because of no purpose. Pastor Ferdy is running for a cause and for a purpose. And he's actually running for the scholars who are rooting for him. You know, yesterday he started this. And so he went through the, the city of Sarangani. And so I want us to pray for Pastor Ferdy because, you know, he's a unique guy. We're not expecting everyone to do this thing like Pastor Ferdy, okay? That is his contribution. My question is, what can we contribute as individuals? If you cannot run 50 kilometers, it's okay. But I believe that there is something that God has deposited in us that can cause a blessing to other people. I'd like to end with this scripture. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it says, In all things that I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, what? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Can we all stand up right now? Can we just thank the Lord this afternoon? Can we just give the Lord praise? Thank you, Lord. Can we just give the Lord a hand this afternoon?
Just before we end with this song, can we just bow down our heads right now? Thank you, Lord. You know, if you are here today and if you have not received the grace of God, the Bible that we read earlier, the verse that it says, great grace was seen among them. And that grace is referring to the grace of life, the grace of salvation. Jesus wants to give us life and life to the full. If you are here today and if you want to receive salvation and eternal life, I want you to quickly raise up your hand right now because I want to pray for you. Anyone at all? Just lift it up boldly. Yes, I see those hands. Just lift it up. Quickly lift it up. Yes. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is a specific call. Okay, just lift up your hand. I want to pray for you right now. Yes. Yes, God bless you. There's a lot of people raising up their hands. Let's continue raising it right now. Man cannot change us. Only God can change us. Man cannot forgive us. Only God can forgive. Only God can give us a brand new life. And as you're raising up your hand, I believe that you are expectant that God will move in your life and change you. Not just for the better, but change you from inside out. If you're raising up your hand, I want you to pray this prayer out loud. Can we just pray together with them? Let's say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner needing a Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that He is raised from the dead. Thank you for the gift of salvation that you are giving to me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Praise God. If you, if you pray that prayer, that is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Bar none. Believe me. That decision has just crossed you over from death to life. That decision of it's actually brought you from one that is full of sin to one that is now full of grace. And so don't leave here without talking to someone. You know, I encourage you, right after we dismiss, come to the front. We want to pray for you. We want to call some of our victory group leaders to come here and minister to them for about maybe three to five minutes because that will actually change the way you live and your perspective in life. Amen. Can we all once again give a hand to the Lord? Let's lift up our hands for the last time. We want to end with this. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for the great grace that you have given to us. Father, we thank you that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also with, along with him graciously give us all things? Father, we have a lot. We've received a lot. We are blessed as a people, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will cause us to move out of our comfort zone and to move in compassion to people who are in need, Lord God. Continue to bless your people, Lord. I pray for creative ways to be to help other people. Bless them indeed, God. I pray for a double portion of anointing, Lord God, to make wealth. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn His face toward you and grant you peace. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that as we leave this place, your righteousness, your peace, and your joy will be with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victoryalabang.org and in the Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.